Okay, so the last thing we want to become is a church that pursues an exhaustive list of rules and regulations. But sometimes it's important to remind ourselves of a few things. Around here, we're more interested in giving a cold cup of water to a thirsty person than we are in drinking it ourselves. Around here, we're more interested in rubbing shoulders with people who have made plenty of mistakes than we are in standing next to people who pretend they haven't. In other words, the prostitute wins. The Pharisee does not. Around here, we're more interested in following an unpredictable savior than we are in crawling after the expected and the routinely predictable. Around here, we're more interested in equipping you to live in the real world, a world that God created and loves, than we are in creating a Christian bubble. And just to be clear, we'll gladly search for one lost, over 99 found, every time. Around here, we're more interested in growing big people than we are in growing a big church. Around here, we're more interested in helping you discover a life of worship than we are in furthering a musical genre. And finally, around here, we're more interested in walking through life together than we are in watching each other from a safe distance. And we're very interested in showing you how this works. Friends, we are a community that is guided by these biblical values. They will guide every decision we make, every relationship we nurture, and every plan we conceive. This is the road we're choosing to travel. And you are invited to take the journey with us because we'd love it if you joined us. Well, around here, we will begin our fifth year of ministry in this community at the end of January. And so if you're joining us for the first time today, you've joined us on a great day because I'm going to take the opportunity to talk about exactly who we are as a church and where we are headed together on this journey. And so you've joined us at a great time. You'll get to hear some great stuff about who we are as a church. Four years ago, we dreamed of a place where people would be able to be connected to Christ and to community. We dreamed of a place where people who were living far from God would feel welcomed and loved and cared for. We dreamed of a place where those same people would feel comfortable. We dreamed of a place that would be real, relevant, and relational to their lives. We dreamed of a place four years ago where people would be connected to other people who are walking and sometimes struggling through the journey of life. We dreamed of a place where people would be challenged to grow deep in their relationship with God, that we would live it out Monday through Saturday. Four years ago, we dreamed of a place that would love their community and serve in such a way that we would earn the right to tell God's story. And our dream around here has not changed. Our mission is still the same. Around here, we are as focused as ever on connecting people to Christ and to community. And along this journey, God has done some pretty amazing things. We've seen a whole lot of people connect in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We have seen our core group uh, that met that very first early Sunday in January of 2006 grow from 127 people that first day to in 2009 averaging 340 people. And the Sunday before Easter, over 400 people joined us to worship. 
We, a year and a half ago, sent our first missionaries as a church to Bulgaria, Dave and Mara Pickering. And Peg and I are pretty excited. In a few weeks, early in February, we're going to have the chance to go over there and visit them and take them your greetings and your love and spend some time just encouraging what they're doing in Bulgaria. This past year in 2009, we set aside for the first time our first shepherds, what we call elders, who are now caring for the flock, caring for the people of Crosspoint, and they're doing a wonderful job. It's great to see how God is using them. We have seen God allow us to really make a difference in our community. I think we've achieved to a certain extent one of our goals that if Crosspoint were to disappear today, there would be some people in our community that would actually miss us. And in the last few months, we've had the privilege of seeing some of those relationships we've been building in the community finally begin to see some fruit and for us to have opportunities that are coming in this new year to have greater influence and greater impact in some, certain, in some particular circles. We're pretty excited about that. We have seen God do some wonderful things. But around here, there's still much to do. And around here, we are still striving to become and to reach our mission. And we are still striving to reach the dreams that God placed in our hearts. So today I want to spend a few minutes looking at a very familiar story from the life of Jesus because I think this story reminds us of the mission that Jesus desires for each of us individually, but also the mission that He desires for us corporately as a church here at Crosspoint. The story found in John chapter 4, and so if you brought your Bibles, as always, I want to encourage you to open them up and find John chapter 4. It's one of the first four books in the New Testament part of your Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John, and we're going to be in chapter 4. And let me just say, as we begin this year around here, something that's very important to us is that you bring your Bible and that you open it up and you study along with us. And if you don't have a Bible... On the tables as you exit today, there are some Bibles there. We want you to pick one of those up. It's our gift to you. Take it home with you. And when you come back next week, you bring that Bible with you so that you can uh, follow along. If you don't have a Bible today, the words are going to come up in a minute on the screen behind me. But next week, you bring your Bible so you don't need those words, okay? This story doesn't need much background. We can just jump right into it and we'll pick up some things as we go along. It's a very familiar story if you've been around church much at all. And if not, you're going to enjoy what happens in this story. It's all about Jesus. John chapter 4, now he, or Jesus, had to go through Samaria. It's not that he was required to go through Samaria. It really was the easiest choice. But as we'll talk about in a few minutes, this was an unusual choice for Jesus as a Jew to choose to go through Samaria. But he does. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. A couple of people from the Old Testament, Jacob and Joseph. And Joseph is the guy with the coat of many colors, the guy that was sold into slavery by his brothers and later would rise to power in Egypt. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water... Now please understand, this Samaritan woman was a woman of bad reputation. Along the way in life, she had made some really, really poor choices with her life. And because of her poor choices and her bad reputation, she was treated like an outcast in her community. This Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate 
with Samaritans. Now, it may seem like an insignificant detail, but do you notice when this woman comes to draw water from this well? It's about noon. Now, the custom of her time would have been that women would have come to the well to draw water either early in the morning or late in the evening when it was much cooler. And it wasn't just about coming to the well to draw water. It was a social event for all of the women of the village. So why does this woman come to the well in the heat of the day? It wasn't to avoid the long lines at the well. It was to avoid the people in those lines. It was to to avoid being reminded one more time that she was an outcast. It was to avoid one more time feeling that rush of embarrassment. Now when this woman comes to the well to draw water, Jesus asks her for a drink. And she is absolutely shocked by His request. Not that Jesus is thirsty and asks her for water, but that Jesus, a Jew, would ask a Samaritan for water. The ethnic conflict between these two people groups is difficult to explain. The ethnic conflict between Jews and Samaritans was so intense, we really have little, if anything, to compare it to in America. A Jew would go miles and days out of their way just to avoid stepping foot in the country of Samaria. It would be like someone who lives in Georgia refusing to go into Tennessee because they hated people who lived in Tennessee. And so rather than traveling through Tennessee, they would go through the Carolinas and Virginia to get to Kentucky because they would refuse to step into that territory. If you're from Georgia and Tennessee, no no offense, okay? I should have told it in terms of somebody from Michigan wouldn't go through Ohio, okay? (laughs) That might still be true today, I don't know. So Jesus, she is shocked that Jesus asked her for a drink of water. She doesn't know what to do with that request. What are you doing asking me? Listen to how Jesus responds in verse 10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked Him and He would have given you living water. Jesus makes her an offer. And this offer seems to be too good to be true. And we know in our culture, if an offer seems to be too good to be true, then usually it is. But but this offer of Jesus is the exception. Jesus offers to fill the empty water bottle of her heart. Jesus offers to show her how to move from the path of desert life, the desert life that would cause her to come to the well at the hottest point of the day, to move from that desert life to streams of cool and refreshing water. Jesus was offering to her living water. He was offering to her Himself. Listen to what happens in verse 11. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons, his flocks, and his herds? Now, when she hears Jesus talking about living water, she thinks maybe he's talking about that water that bubbles up down in the very bottom of the well, assuming it was fed by a spring. And Jacob's well, by the way, still exists today. In fact, in 1935, they cleaned it up and they discovered that it's 138 feet deep. And so this woman thinks when Jesus offers her water, she thinks, man, how are you going to get water? You don't have a bucket. You don't have a rope. You can't get me water. 
What she didn't realize is the conversation Jesus was taking her home wasn't about water from that well. It was about spirituality. It was about the condition of her heart. The conversation continues in verse 13. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus says, you can drink this water, pointing to the well, but it won't quench your thirst. Or you can drink the water, pointing to Himself, that I want to give you, and you will never thirst again. Jesus was saying, if you will dip the bucket of your life into Me, I will fill you with something that will satisfy you forever. You will be consumed by who I am. The story continues in verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. The story gets interesting in verse 16. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied, thinking that would be the end of the conversation maybe. Jesus said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Their conversation continues. Jesus challenges her about the condition of her heart and her life. And the conversation continues. And along the way, in the process of this conversation, there comes a moment when she recognizes that she is speaking to the Messiah. She's speaking to the Savior. And at some point in this conversation, she believes. And she makes the choice in her life to step across that line of faith and to begin to follow Jesus. And it changes her, as we'll see at the end of the story in a few moments, it changes her forever. Now, I think there are some interesting insights from this story. And I think these insights that I want to point out to you this morning give us some guiding principles as a church about who Jesus has called us to be. And they are some guiding principles for us as Christ followers about who Jesus wants us to be and what He models for us in this story. There are five of them. Let me point them out. First, He cared for her in spite of her past. He cared for her in spite of her past. This woman who came to the well this day, her life was a mess. She was an outcast. And the day when she came to the well, she came with a whole lot of baggage that she had collected in her life. But do you notice that Jesus simply loves her in spite of her ethnicity or her reputation or her status? Jesus simply loved her. And if we are ever going to be like Jesus, and if we as a church are going to represent Jesus to our community, then we have to continue to love people no matter their ethnicity or their reputation or their status or what baggage they, have may have, they may have collected in life, we must simply love them. 
if we are to be like Jesus. And when people come to this place, if they leave with nothing else, my desire is that they would leave knowing that someone in this place at Crosspoint cares about them. That's why we do many of the things that we do here on Sunday mornings. But let me point out just one example of this. Our incredible guest services team is the front line for making sure that this happens. And we have some great people who serve as greeters and do name tags and welcome people to our campus. But boy, I wish we had a whole lot more people who would be a part of that team. Did you notice when you came in last week, I hope this happened, if you were here last week and got to join us for our one service, hopefully when you came in last week, you were greeted at least three times before you got into this room or as you were coming into this room. And I would hope that that would happen every week. That people would be greeted and they would, in the way that they are greeted on this campus, they would walk away knowing, man, people really cared about me there. People loved me in that place. And most of the time, that happens here. But you know what? There are occasions that people slip through the cracks. I was having a conversation with somebody who had visited our service um, several weeks ago and very uh, happy with a lot of what they had experienced. But they said to me, you know, Jeff, the whole time we were there, no one ever greeted me. And it was like somebody had punched me in the gut. Because I thought, we never want that to happen. We always want people to be warmly greeted and to know that in this place they are cared for and loved. Well, here's the second thing that I noticed in this story. He went to a place where she was comfortable. He went to a place where she was comfortable. This woman went to the well every day. It was part of her daily routine. This was just part of life for her. And in a very real sense in this story, Jesus didn't wait for her to come to Him. He met her in the middle of life, in the middle of her life, right there at the well. Something, place that she felt comfortable because she went there every day. And if we're going to have influence in people's lives, we have got to meet them right in the middle of life, right in the middle of their life. That's why we have placed such a high value on serving our community. That's why we are always telling you to the point you're probably tired of hearing it some days. We're encouraging you, go serve your neighbors. Go serve your co-workers. You see, that's all about this principle that Jesus lived out. We can't wait for people to come to us. We have to go meet them in the middle of life, in the middle of their life, and love them where they are to go to places where they are comfortable and earn the right to tell them God's story. If you've been to Starting Point, which is a session that we offer for people who are investigating Crosspoint and wanting to know more details about who we are, there is a picture that we show every time that we have Starting Point. And so if you've been there, you've seen the picture. If you come in the future, you'll see it again. But I, I wanted to show you again today. It's a picture of a bridge. And uh, this bridge, as it stands today, looks totally useless, doesn't it? It's out in the middle. It looks like nowhere. But you know, there was a day when this bridge was functioning. And even though it is a beautiful structure now, it has no purpose, it would seem. But at one point, it spanned a river and connected two pieces of land. 
But when Hurricane Mitch came through Honduras, where this bridge is, it was a devastating hurricane. And the hurricane was so powerful as it passed over Honduras that it literally moved the river. It left the bridge standing intact, but it moved the river and made this structure, in a sense, useless. Well, you know what? To me, this is a picture of the church. See, I think as I read the Bible, it was God's intention that the church would act as a bridge for people in our culture as a way to help them find a relationship with God. And for a long time, the church often did that. But in recent decades, the church, and when I say church, I kind of mean church at large in America, for whatever reason, the church seemed to, seem to disconnect from our culture and go kind of exist in its own world and do its own thing and no longer acted as that bridge to help people who were living far from God find their way back into a relationship with Him. The church still looked like a beautiful structure, but it had lost its purpose. And so here at Crosspoint, it has been one of our driving forces that we would again be that bridge that connects people in our culture, in our community, and helps them find their way back into a relationship with God. There's another way that we live out this whole meeting place for people where they're comfortable. This is a big reason why we have put such a high value on what we do on Sundays at Crosspoint. From our very beginning, we have worked to very carefully create environments here at Crosspoint that are very intentional, we hope, comfortable for people. We have tried to create environments for the person who makes that courageous step to come and check us out. You know what? For a lot of people, coming to a church is a very scary thing for oftentimes a variety of reasons. But reasons like, oh, that they have had a bad experience at a church in the past, that they have seen the church as irrelevant. Maybe the church has done something to hurt them. Or maybe they just think there's a lot of strange things that go on at churches. They have stayed away and they are scared to venture to a place like this. And so with people like that in mind, we have tried to create environments that when they take that courageous step to come and investigate, they'll find a place where they are comfortable. You know what? All of this stuff that we do on Sundays, it's not for us who have already grown comfortable here. In fact, for us to have grown comfortable here, we probably could be happy most weeks with a, a situation like we had last Sunday. Something that was very simple, kind of bare bones, except as long as we added back in stuff for your kids, right parents? Because you can't take very many weeks of that, huh? We'd be okay with that. But you see, it's not about us. It's about the people who will come here to investigate Jesus and making sure that when they come to this place, they find an environment that is warm and welcoming and friendly, an environment that is inspiring and challenging, an environment that is relaxing and inviting to them. We have carefully created environments so that when that person takes a courageous step, they will come here and they will be warmly greeted many times, we hope. They will feel safe leaving their children and their children will leave buzzing with excitement. They will find a place where they'll hear music and media that they can relate to and understand. A place where they'll be able to navigate around and find where they're trying to get to. 
a place where they'll understand the terminology that we use. We try to think very carefully about the kinds of things that we say and whether or not they'll be understandable to people who are checking church out. We've tried to make sure that this is a place where they will feel included. Let me give you just one example of that. Maybe sometimes you wonder, why do they do those paper name tags week after week after week? Why don't they give me something nice after I've been here for a while that I can just hold on to and wear the same one every week? That's because when we started, we wanted to make sure that whether you had been coming here for 10 weeks or you came for the first time, that you felt the same. So we didn't want people wearing name tags around that were all nicely printed and everything so that when I, if I were to come the first time and I didn't have one of those, you know what that would make me feel like? I don't belong. I don't fit in. I don't have one of those. I'm different from everybody else. So that's why every week when you get here, you get one of those name tags where one of our great people stands out there and writes your name and sticks it on your shirt. Because that way everybody's the same and nobody feels like they stick out. We want people to feel comfortable. Because Jesus modeled the importance of going to people and when people come to you, of making them feel comfortable. There's another principle that I notice here. Jesus had something valuable to offer her. When that woman came to the well that day, Jesus offered her something of incredible value. He offered her living water. He offered her a relationship with a Savior. And that's exactly what she needed. And friends, I want to remind you that we have something incredibly valuable to offer to people in our community who may find themselves living far from God. It's the same thing. We have the privilege of offering to them and introducing them to a Savior. And that is exactly what they need. It is all about pointing people to Jesus. That's why we exist. is to help people find their way into a relationship and be connected to Jesus Christ. There's another principle I notice here. He pointed her to life change. You notice in this story that Jesus challenges her about the condition of her life. He challenges her and confronts her about some poor choices that she has made. He confronts her about the sin in her life and challenges her to make a life change. And you know what? Our existence here is about more than creating a warm, fuzzy feeling. It is about challenging people and pointing them to life change. It's about encouraging them to be like Jesus to follow the kind of lifestyle that Jesus modeled for us. And at times, it's about confronting sin in our lives and pointing people and challenging them to really change and be like Jesus. One more thing I noticed in this story. It was contagious. Listen to how the story ends, beginning in verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Now, isn't that a summation of our goal? Isn't it our goal as a church that people would see us living out and talking about the change that Jesus has made in our lives and from our story 
they would be drawn to Jesus. And as they are drawn to Jesus, they would hear His words themselves and they also would be changed. Isn't that the picture of what's supposed to happen? And do you notice for this woman, it was absolutely contagious. She could not keep it to herself. And I hope that we wouldn't either. I would hope that in our lives it would be absolutely contagious. That we'd want to share it. In fact, let me ask you. Who will you share it with this week? Who will you point to Jesus this week? Who will you invite to come to Crosspoint, a place where they could hear the words of Jesus and begin to believe for themselves? You see, around here, we are absolutely committed to connecting people to Christ and to community. I hope that you'll continue to join me for the journey that's ahead. Because I'm convinced that our greatest days are still ahead. As we think about a new year and as we think about that and look towards that individually and corporately, I want us to really bow before God today and ask Him to give His guidance and His leadership to our lives and to us as a church. So I want to ask you to do something that is a little tricky to do in the tight space that you're in and probably a bit uncomfortable for you. And if you're totally uncomfortable with it, it's fine. But I want to invite you all that would to join me in getting on our knees right now before God as I lead us in prayer and ask God to guide us in this year. Would you join me on our knees? God, we very, very humbly bow before You in this moment. And God, we say first, thank You for what You have done in and through Crosspoint in the past four years. God, we take no credit for that. We take no glory for it. We give You all the credit, all of the glory. In fact, God, we are incredibly humbled that You have chosen to work in and through us in the ways that You have. And Father, as we contemplate the beginning of a new year as individuals and as a church, God, we once again bow before You and say, lead us, direct us. God, the things in our lives that stand as obstacles to us being who You've called us to be, God, I ask You, as painful as it may be, would You remove those things from our lives? Would through Your Spirit, would You just get into our lives, God, and would You work to just rip those things out? God, would You work in this coming year to mold us to be more and more like You? God, as a church, would You give us greater influence in our community, greater impact in the people's, of lo- people's lives? God, would You help us to reach more and more people? Again, God, not so that we can build a big church, but God, so that more and more people can come to know You as their Savior. God, however You would choose to use us, we stand ready and willing to serve. And God, we'll celebrate with You what You do. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.